Anyone else have a question? If you can just raise your hand so that we know. Mm. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. So I'll just repeat the kind of question around uh, contraction and having memories of, you know, as a child with the cat, of just sometimes being overwhelmed with love and just wanting to, to hug it, but to really kind of squeeze it. Um, how did the cat respond? Yeah, 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 interesting. Yeah, it's a difference between different beings and how they respond, but the cat seemed to like it. Um, yeah, so the question of is that kind of, that overflow of love and wanting to really kind of squeeze somebody, um, how does that relate to this um, exploration of contraction as a form of dukkha? Yeah, it's a great question. Do you want to go first or you want me to go? You want me to go? Okay, yeah, um, yeah, lots of layers there, yeah. and I, I really wouldn't uh, encourage us to uh, give up those, <laughs> those kind of gushings of, of love uh, and that kind of wanting to, to um, s- you know, really kind of hug someone. Um, One interesting way of, of seeing it is, is you know, we, we can say on a, on a very subtle level, and Nathan's actually said it a couple of times, um, when there's an experience, yeah, when there's an experience, there actually is a subtle form of contraction, a subtle form of dukkha, because just to give attention to something, there needs to be uh, that, you know, and this is very subtle, so don't. You know, just I'm just putting it out there, just so that we know. And, and so, in that way, yes, of course, with that, there also be contraction. Um, it can be interesting to just feel into it in your experience, and just to, to feel because, um, you know, we say that sometimes, don't we? I love you so much that it hurts. Yeah, there is that kind of phrasing, isn't there? That we, we say that it's interesting, you know. And then we can explore uh, in the love, you know. The, the different threads in it, yeah, and when there is that, you know, with that, you know, and of course with love, often there's also our need to be loved is also there, and that's why I'm really careful here because I think we need to respect that and honor that, but to also see that uh, just like you said, different beings that you love very much and their response is different. So how open are we, you know, if I want to to hug someone really tightly and you know, they don't want me going near them, you know, or, or they don't want that hug. How's my response? Well, you know, does that bring dukkha? So there's that layer and then also the kind of just, just exploring for yourself that, you know, <laughs> sense of, um, of uh, you know, what's there. You're, you're reminding me of, you know, my youngest nephew is going to be 15 this year and I love, I love hugging all my nieces and nephews, but they're all quite big now. Um, and he, bless his heart, up till now, <laughs> I don't know when it's going to change. He lets me do that. But, and it's very much an act of love from his side because he has this expression on his face of like, yeah, I'll let you. I know, I know you need this. <laughs> uh, I'll let you squeeze me. Um, so yeah, you just brought him to, to, to life for me, which is very very beautiful but yeah just feeling um yeah just feeling for yourself exploring that does that does that respond or just confuse 
Yeah, and you can start this time. So the question is related to um, this welcoming practice and how broad to, to bring it. So in the guided meditation and the instructions today, bringing it towards body sensations, bringing it towards sounds, and noticing that it kind of feels like it heads in a different direction than the way of relating to thoughts, which might be kind of identified as actually having um, a pattern or pathway or direction of dukkha. And in that case, we decide, actually, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to let that fade. Yeah. And allow it to fade out of existence, be wiped away by not refeeding it. And yeah, uh, initially they look like different practices, but they might actually kind of come together uh, in a certain way. So what we're talking about with the welcoming practice is that we're letting things in, we're letting things be, and we're letting things go. So either we could say an alternative um, relationship to thinking might be to adopt something like um, this nice wide sense and we become like the sky. Come like we're so wide and open, we're like the sky and the sky doesn't then, you know, check passports of birds and say, well, you know, you've got this bit of the sky but not the rest of the sky and the clouds, you know, it's like up to here and it's like, you know, I'm going to cut that off and it's only special clouds here. And so, you know, so obviously the sky doesn't pick and choose. You know, everything comes through, doesn't actually disturb, there's still 100% sky and it all just moves through. It just has different flavors, different natures, different ways of being. In the same way, we're not feeding and following thoughts, right? We're not riding the train, the dukkha train of that thought. We're just noticing, oh, this has arisen <laughs> due to causes and conditions, and it passes, it goes through. So the practice, as I see it, of recognizing the mood of thinking also has a lot of friendliness, in it and kindness in it and welcoming in it, which is we allow it to come up, we notice it, we recognize its flavor, and we also recognize this isn't the kind of train to go on, you know, for a being that wishes to live from kindness and care. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to go on a train that's full of aversion, you know, or, uh, or whatever it is. And so we just, we stop feeding that, stop following that, stop supporting that, and kind of letting it go. So, in a certain sense, they're different dimensions of the same practice. Um, and if we feel that the earlier practice to do with thinking is lacking in kindness, yeah, which, is, which could be understandable, it's like we have this, you know, because I was using this phrase wiped out of existence for a particular reason, which is to notice a thought that isn't being thought, where does it go? completely disappears. Yeah. And that's more the principle of the wiped out of existence as opposed to an attitudinal relationship to thinking. It's like that one, no, you're wiped out of existence. Like we, you know, like gone. <laughs> um, so it can have a lot of that welcoming, a lot of that, you know, oh, you're welcome to arise, be here and pass. But I'm not getting on the train. I'm not refeeding this. And yeah, we can bring welcoming to absolutely everything, including the self-sense here, me meditating, here I am, giving it a good go, welcomed, welcome to be here, yeah, all of those kind of things. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it is heading in that direction. You know, we can bring that practice to everything, as Nathan was saying. We typically just begin with the less sticky stuff. So sound, body, easier to stabilize there. Um, and then it's a very individual kind of discernment of, of opening to emotions and thoughts um, and, and you know, other aspects of our experience um, when we feel stable enough or just as a way of trying it does it how does it work you know it might be that actually that works really well for us uh, with that imagery that Nathan was using of just the sense of space and things just moving through um, rather than getting stuck and there was yeah Yeah, great thank you yeah it's always interesting to to hear um, Reflections, yeah, so I think definitely, I think a lot of the teachings we really need to yeah. look, oh sorry, repeat the question, um, the question about the place of desire in our lives and, and on the path, um, you know, uh, the fact that desire is essential for anything to happen in the world, um, and then how does that relate to, to, to some of the teachings and, and, and the way uh, desire is framed um, there. Um, so yeah, desire is, is it's, ne- it's necessary for our practice as well. <laughs> yeah. we, can, we can say and we can see that, you know, we need to, to want to practice or we need to want to um, be free of dukkha, or to want to understand, right? These are, it, it's, it's, a, it's a component of our, of our humanity. Um, I'm not sure what in particular you were referring to that I said last night, but <laughs> just uh, uh, generally, um, I think that, and, and you can kind of uh, let me know if I'm not responding to the particular point. Um, that, that, you know, with desire, we, we can also, or wanting, or um, there can be a real sense of when that is limited to me and quite a narrow uh, self um, referential view and when that has uh, a wider sense and that very much relates to how much dukkha there will be for ourselves and for others so you know I don't know if the the example that I gave today with a sausage roll is relevant but I think that's of course there's there's a desire for of course that's a desire for a sausage roll (laughs) for you know a vegan sausage roll there's a wanting there's a preference there's a liking there's all of that Uh, but then how is that held yeah, is that a must? Is that a determining factor of happiness, or is that held in in a bigger context? Um, so that's kind of one one way how the desire is held. Yeah. So a lot of it is how how the desire is held, where it's heading, what the direction is. Um, you know, there is, a, 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 you know, if we really look at the at the text and the Buddha's teachings, there is a trajectory there of of you know, the lessening of desire and actually, you know, in a way we, we disappear from the world, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that is a trajectory of, you know, of how awakening is, is spoken of to a great degree. Um, but I think this is also where our own agency comes in and, and we can reflect on how we apply the teachings to our lives and also what, what our own personal understanding or um, view of awakening is. Um, yeah, that's, it's a huge area, um, very, very kind of fruitful area to explore. 
um, on your path. And if you want to add anything. Yeah. Um, certainly we can read a, a lot of teachings and practices which translate certain words as desire. You know, so there's a word called uh, chanda, which is kind of thought to be something like passion, desire, um, a real willingness to to dive into these teachings and practices. So it's like a it's a passion, a desire for a path of awakening. You know, it's it's what drives us to give up on you know, the petty things in life so that we really head towards what's meaningful, what brings more spaciousness, what brings more love, what brings more connection. And we just abandon those those trains of uh, intentions that are taking us into off back into Dukaville. And we say, no, there's another way. And we have to have that passion for that journey. It's the fuel for that journey. And that word sometimes gets translated as, as a desire or skillful desire or wholesome desire. And... Earlier in the translations, and, and a lot earlier, you know, maybe hundred years ago or, or so, you know, um, tanha, thirsting, demanding, craving, was also translated as desire, you know, and 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 so that can kind of be oh that's a bit confusing that we're using this word many times for different kind of meanings, and that has this you know demandingness is the word I I find is most kind of clear and it's like. Well, I can desire something, and that can be a demand. You know, I must get that thing, and 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 then I must look after it, must hold on to it, must keep it. The other word that sometimes gets translated to do with desire is upadana, which is actually has a really interesting etymology. So, some of you will know this word dana. We have this dana area. Um, sometimes, you know, say donations, but literally meaning, you know, to give. Or more accurately, to participate, to give and to receive. Right? So we have this upadana. A-dana means not to participate, not to give and receive. And up means intensified, turned up to 11. You know, 108% really going for not <laughs> engaging, not open palm, clenched fist living. Right? So if that's what we meant by desire, uh, that's okay. So we're, we're seeing these are kind of moving further and further away from the positive forms of desire. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Yeah. But looking at where we feel uh, what's helpful. So we might say uh, chanda is passion for the path of awakening. Right, this first one. And we might say tanha is demanding for things to be my way not the way of the nature of the universe, you know. And then upadana would be to have a clenched, closed heart and mind. Clenched and closed heart and mind. So, yeah, and then within that we can navigate, you know, what are our desires, what are our passions, what's our intentions, yeah. Yeah, and to go back to some of the examples you gave, you know, like we can see how those two get threaded together. Right, what we, we can call wholesome and unwholesome desire, and Nathan broke it down to us in, in many things. Right? You mentioned you know, wanting change in the world, uh, and that is such a beautiful aspiration, heart-opening, generous. Mm. Uh, but then sometimes, you know, I work quite a fair bit with activists, and sometimes what comes up is actually 
the clenched fist uh, and the opposite of actually what we want. Um, so that's just one example where the, the two can be mixed up. Thank you. Want to have to start? Summarize the. Yeah. That's me. Well, I can summarize if okay. you want. I just wanted if you wanted to have a, to to respond first. Yeah, sure. You also want to summarize? Or you want me to? No, you go ahead. Okay. So, yeah, just uh, uh, having a um, experiences of a, a kind of a, a deep experiential understanding uh, of the teachings, rather than just uh, uh, rather than a, a, a knowledge, intellectual, mental understanding of the teachings, which are also was also very important. I just want to say that <laughs> to everyone. Um, and that experiential understanding um, kind of manifesting through the meditation practice um, and really kind of seeing, having insight into uh, some of the teachings and to the mutual arising, the dependent arising nature of experience. And then from there, um, a sense of kind of the self, uh, you know, you're, you're using the language of, of not self. Um, and that kind of flowing through from a, a long meditation, sitting practice into walking, and then another long sitting practice uh, with varying levels of intensity. Um, and, uh, and wanting to know the question is how to, like, how to understand this and how to work with it skillfully. Um, also with the fear that arises some of the time uh, with that kind of shift in, um, in perception of experience, we can say, that kind of walking around feels new feels different. Does that? Yeah. Yeah, so um, sounds great. And, uh, you know, keep exploring it, keep being sensitive to yourself and, you know, um, learning to kind of trust in your experience and, and what's opening and what's becoming available and enjoying what's enjoyable about it. And, you know, when fear can come up, you know, oftentimes fear is in relationship to something unknown. You know, kind of notice it's like, oh, it's, 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 it's about something that's, you know, or what will happen next or will this, you know. And in the moment, it may take us away from, actually, it's really nice just really nice to let go this much um, and at any time you can come back yeah he's like oh I don't want to let go more so don't yeah it's fine you can just stop and if you feel like actually I'd like to let go a little bit more you can and kind of going on along that what might be generally helpful is keeping in mind that everything's a spectrum yeah so we might say you know this is self and then there's not self what might be helpful to say is like, wow, self has really gone quiet. There might still be more self that is kind of there and actually operating in a certain way. And one of the ways that we can kind of understand that if there's any appearance of anything at all, even very, very subtle things, you know, even the sense of not self, there's something to whom this is occurring. You know, it's like, oh, okay. So it's gone a lot quieter. And the whole kind of spectrum philosophy, you know, or perspective, paradigm, whatever, is really helpful here. It's like, oh, what's gone? What's gone? And then that is, becomes really helpful in an insight uh, practice, which is actually looking at, like, how is this experience conditioned? 
And then, ah, when we drop away that condition, you know, this opens out. So how this kind of relates for all of us is that, you know, what's a condition of dukkha? Rejecting, uh, following my preferences, taking them all really seriously, and bring this welcoming mode in. It's like, oh, that condition isn't there. We're pulling away a condition. And sometimes it's like, you know, we can take away the leg of a stool, you know, and dukkha's a, a three-legged stool in this sense, yeah, and it's like, Oh, there's another condition here. It's contraction. It's contraction. Well, what if I pull away the contractedness? And then sometimes things drop away and you have this experience and it's so radically different that we'd say, wow, there was no self there at all. Or there was nothing. There was nothing. It was all just this empty space. And you actually unpin it a little bit and it's like, okay, so there's this empty space. (laughs) Empty space isn't nothing. There's a sense of this empty space. Or there was a sense of love. Or there was a sense of freedom. Yeah. So it's like getting to know, getting to know our experience and um, yeah, being sensitive to it and being sensitive to the spectra that kind of dance through and experience. But coming back to that first point, yeah, just enjoy it. Go with it. If, if you have a lot of fear around something in particular, you know, feel free to talk with us about it. And, um, but yeah, it might it might just be fear, you know. Mm. Oh, it's just fear. Um, you know, welcome to be here, but not going to follow you. Yeah. Ease, soften with that. It sounds like the fear from what you were saying that it's just a little bit of fear. Yeah. So that's yeah, like Nathan was saying, very natural, and and can be really skillful just to to acknowledge it um, and kind of not make a big deal out of it like, like you were saying not feed it but just uh, turn the attention to the um, to the experience itself and as Nathan said get to know it yeah like that like very and it's all very subtle <laughs> yeah there but just like the sense of like ah like how do I play with attention here <laughs> even yeah so that's kind of something that you're doing how do I play with attention here of getting closer to it letting it kind of come to you, um, getting to know it, you know, is the meta here, is the beauty here, is the um, clarity here, like what's the, what, what makes up this experience, uh, but also just dwelling and absorbing in it, and kind of letting, um, letting it um, permeate yeah, your, your being. Yeah, I think it's probably worth exploring more one-to-one because it's very particular. I don't know if that's your sense as well, but I think generally, just to kind of, because it's, it's a you know, general question, just generally I would say um, at this point, because it's still very early, yeah, uh, I would say stay. Yeah? Don't try to figure out too much about what's next, where to go with it, but really just both the both the absorption, absorbing, absorbing the insight through staying in it. You know, it's like, you know, Rick Hansen talks about 20 to 30 seconds in meditation. <laughs> it's going to be much, much longer than that of really kind of absorbing, soaking in the, the, the insight, the experience, the getting to know it, um, and, the, and, and then the familiarity, the getting to know the territory. So both the kind of absorbing the, the, the insight and the well-being that comes in it experientially, and then from that also getting to know the territory uh, more. Any other questions? We're kind of at our half hour mark, but we've been going over that every single day.
Mm. Yeah. So is it okay to direct matter to someone who's passed away? It's a really important question. In the tradition, they say not to. Yeah, that's the traditional um, um, kind of uh, response. Um, but my personal one is that I would say if that feels helpful, <laughs> then yes, it's fine to do. Um, I think sometimes, you know, there's this, like, what does meta actually do? Is it working internally or does it also work externally? What's the focus? And I think it can have a real... So in the tradition, they'd say, you know, you should maybe do more forgiveness meditation for someone who's already passed away. But I, I think it's really about, um, you know, the, pro the healing that that allows for us of, 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 of sending and, and the sense of connection, which is also can be really important. So, yeah, I would, I would say yes. If that feels like something that's moving through you and that would be helpful, then, then yeah, please do that. But I wanted to give the official standpoint as well. Okay, so thank you everyone for your listening, the questions, the practice. And, uh thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.